Welcome to the Suburbs. I'm Kim. I'm Juice. And, and this, this is, is Suburban Pod. Pod. We're just two bougie Negroes trying to figure out how to express our blackness in white spaces. Follow us on Twitter at Suburban Pod. And follow us on Instagram at Sub underscore Urban Pod. All right, enjoy. Channel Orange. I still love Channel Orange. Are you pushing this towards me? I know, but the best song wasn't the single. You weren't weren't either. Living in Ladera Heights, the Black Beverly Hills, domesticated paradise, palm trees, pools. The wildest moves, wild of the pill, keeping it so real. Whatever you like, whatever feels good, whatever takes your mountain high, keeping it so real. Not sugar free, my TV ain't HD, that's too real. Grapevine. Mango, Mango peaches and lime, sweet, sweet life. life, sweet life, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. just gonna sound crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Had a Beyonce moment. Let me have. Let me have my solo. You want to listen to it again? I was recording all that <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, let's listen to it. That needs to keep that. Yo, that shit actually. That you sounded really fucking good as fuck. That just set the mood. <laughs> um, God damn it, man. Where did that come from? <laughs> you didn't know I could sing? No, I always knew you could sing, but I was like, damn, I didn't know you go show out today. <laughs> no, today was the day. Like, oh, she's singing, singing. You know, it's funny when people meet me, they ask me if I can sing, and I think it's because I have a deep voice. No, you have a, you have a deep voice, but you have a, a melodic uh, cadence also. Hmm. So many people ask me that, and I'm always like, no, I mean, like, I sing, but I don't sing. Like, I don't do it for people, but I know how to. Same with me. I think I mean that's just growing up in a black ass choir, like you yeah, just, you had to sing it. Learning harmonies and like feeling chords is in our blood. Yeah, but well, some people it ain't in their blood. Cause some people, <laughs> like almost everybody in my family, can sing except for my daddy, Andre, and my nephew Noah. Oh wow! Like they are like the only ones who can't sing at all. Wow, they have different voices though. Yeah. It has a, a different pitch. Yeah. Damn. But, yeah, like, my nephew is dope as fuck. The older one. Really? He is sick. And then, like, my mom used to sing. His mom used mm. to sing also. Mm. So. Hmm. But, yeah, some people can't hold the tone at all, man. That my shit is terrible. Sings. My nephew was singing the shit out of some songs. Like, <laughs> oh, he's singing, singing. But he can already, like, it's amazing how kids can pick up on, like, 
being in tune and using the right notes when yeah. you're singing it back. You and know? then language, like the the video, of the kid talking to his dad, the baby talking to his yes. dad. Yes, like <laughs> he was sitting there just like pointing, like <laughs> nigga, you saw this shit. Like my dad, my dad. And then after a while, I was like, like, his yeah. arms and being like, it was so dope because I was at the end, I was like, did I actually understand what he was saying? <laughs> like, it was cute because for one, it, it looked like a young dad, like a mm-hmm. teen dad. He he didn't look no older than like 21 or 22. He is like, he's just look young as fuck. He looked super young, yeah. but it's just cool to see like black dads doing that kind of shit. Yeah. Like that's just the cutest thing. But man, that baby was talking with so much conviction. I was like, "Yo, this one nigga was gonna so be a leader." Chill with his little fro out and his t-shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this little nigga talking. He gonna have a sports podcast at age four. <laughs> <laughs> no, the funny thing is, I saw the dad and him on CNN, and you could tell everybody was really like, "Yo, all right, the dad's okay, bro. Let's talk to this nigga. <laughs> He's the one that's got it going on." Yeah. Um. That's funny. So, uh, how should we start? Same way we always do. What'd you do this weekend? How you um, been? What's new? No. Like, like I was saying, I, I uh, dog sit it today uh, from Wednesday to yesterday. So, I felt like I was running a dog prison <laughs> because I had to separate two dogs and keep them separate at all times. Oh, shit. Not a dog prison. Yeah. Cooper is not a good inmate. But, yeah, like, you could tell, like, Cooper would forget that he was here, and then he would hear Scout on outside, like, doing something crazy. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Nigga, you got a wild animal, yo. <laughs> That's the other thing weird about living with a dog you really don't communicate uh verbally as much but you just understand like behaviors and tone of voice and mm -hmm. like when i'm uh, like doing something he'll leave me alone yeah like when i'm editing a podcast he'll leave me alone for the most part yeah but if i'm talking on the phone or something that nigga ain't having it he like (laughs) nigga why aren't you petting me bro (laughs) you had one job your hands are free now. What's going on? But I'm I feel like a, a old black parent. Like when he be outside and he's ready to come in, yeah, hit that fucking door so hard. Like who the fuck you hitting the door for? <laughs> <laughs> Your big ass paws. Cause that nigga's paws are as big as like the palm of oh, my yeah. hand. Cooper is a thick dude now. Oh, he, he out here thick. <laughs> Cooper is out here. Cooper Cooper got that base. <laughs> That's what uh, Tori's husband uh, the other day when he came by. He's like, man, he's solid. He's like got like a barrel chest and shit. That's a dog. That is a man's dog right there. Everybody be thinking like when I say I have a bass hound, they be thinking like a little like big, nah, no, this nigga is huge. <laughs> no, I got a seventy five pounder. <laughs> that nigga was when I took him to the bay, sixty pound. Damn. Yeah, he's solid. Yeah. He a big motherfucker. They need to be getting on my fucking nerves or sometimes. He's hulking it. Like, God damn it. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> they need to put Cooper on the whey protein jar. Bro, he's, <laughs> he's gained weight since I moved out of uh, the apartment because I had to walk him. Mm. So he's gained a little bit of weight. 
That nigga need to be on a. I'm cut his meals in half. <laughs> He'll be alright. And so I've been chilling at work. I, that's why I have so many notes because I've been just writing shit at work. You've been you've been taking care of you, but on the clock. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I feel like I've been on vacation. <laughs> that yeah. shit gonna hit me like a ton of bricks tomorrow though. <laughs> when what? the cat's away. <laughs> what the fuck is up, Jess? <laughs> they tried to kill me, Jess. They tried to. Kill me. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and then today, so I just chilled. I did go to uh, the Brass. What was it? The Brass Tap. The Brass Tap. Because uh, I guess today was the first official day they were open. And that shit is lit. Is it big? Yeah. It's really big. And it's tons of TVs. And it's that. Uh, that I need hit. to go in there and see if they're hiring. Is oh, it like sure. a late night thing? Like they stay 10 open or 11? They stay open like 12, uh, 2. Okay, so it's going to be like a regular like bar time. Mm, it's almost like Drake's. Okay, so when did they open? Like for lunch? Yeah, they were open for lunch. Okay, 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 okay. Niggas is hiring all around the city. Because mm-hmm. trust a nigga has been looking. <laughs> <laughs> I got another interview in Nashville on Wednesday. Ooh, excited. You know, I'm just out here trying to secure whatever I can secure at this point. It's for an assistant management position at Planet Fitness. <laughs> so hey, I'm just man. like, Get I mean, I work out at Planet Fitness. Why not just work there? And then, too, I feel like it's going to kind of fit in my plan with trying to get my esthetician's license because they already told me the schedule for assistant management is Sunday through Thursday from 2 to 10. And I'm like, that's easy. I could like, go to class in the mornings, go to work be done with that job on Thursday and maybe like have a little side thing on the weekends or something. I don't know. Like, um, forgive me for being ignorant, but what is an esthetician? I have heard it, but I do not actually know what it is. An esthetician is someone who takes care of the skin. So estheticians can do like facials. They can do like body treatments. Some of them do like laser treatments and Botox and, so basically, just maintenance of your skin or if someone comes in and they have issues with like acne or scarring or rosacea, like those are the most common things. We are the people that get your skin on a regimen and get, get right it back together. It's another, it's another segment of the beauty industry, but it's not um, as pressing as retail and it's way more money in it. I feel you. Way more money. Um. Now I feel like you're judging my face every time I see you. And now, no, oh. men typically have way better skin than women because women wear makeup, right? And we put products on our skin, and we some sometimes it can overwhelm our skin. So men's like skin and hair tend to be like way healthier than women's skin and hair. That would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, did you see the video of that? Uh, they did a thing where it's a spa where people go and. Uh, <laughs> it's a Korean spa thing and people go and they pretty much put water <laughs> on them. Yes, <laughs> I saw you retweet that and somebody was like, get the place. <laughs> Basically, they exfoliate like the dead skin yeah. off of your whole body. <laughs> I think that kind of shit is cool. It is, but the funny shit worse is just the comments because niggas were straight. <laughs> this being like, they they dead skin, that's dirt. <laughs> I mean, which is essentially the same thing, though. Yeah, but but the 
white people read people oh, is always funny yes. as fuck. I, that shit was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> what those Korean women were doing is like what I would be doing as an esthetician. Okay. And those are like spa quality treatment so it's not like no little shit you know right real nigga <laughs> it's, money it's big money <laughs> yes i got a call back from that like terrible interview that i had um a week and a half ago and they let me know that I didn't get it. And I was like, okay. And they were just like, well, do you have any questions? And I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, what else? Why what do y'all fucking say? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck was the problem, bitch? <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? Like, like oh, so y'all don't fuck with a nigga, huh? You gonna give me the job if I fight for this right now? Like, what? You want me to beg for it? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Ain't too proud to beg. <laughs> what do you want me to do now? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but that's, that's cool, honestly. Like, I'm just... I'm so good on retail right now. Just anything to avoid it. Avoiding retail at all costs is what I'm trying to do. Okay. They're trying to get me to go and be a counter manager for Clinique at another Belk out there. And I'm just like, uh, just sounds like torture. <laughs> like, I just got out of this motherfucker. <laughs> I just. Uh, um, <laughs> Why? Why the probationary period has not been long enough for me to go back to doing the same shit that I just left. I'm gonna frame this eventually, but that's the vlog. Ooh, my mom told me to do that. That was I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Dope. Um, I wish we had had a picture. We do. No, not like on anything like the straight. Oh no! I have thought about what we'll talk about that way. Um, so, uh, what else have you done this weekend? Honestly, just been fucking murdering my workouts. I um, I saw that you on your John Henry bullshit out here lifting uh beds and shit. Yeah, <laughs> it was so funny because I've been uh kind of helping out in the mattress store. I'm literally out here hustling. Um. Niggas are surprised. I don't know why. Like, I have told y'all niggas over and over that I have done nothing in my life other than work, mostly <laughs> manual labor. Why does it surprise you? But <laughs> that shit was funny, though, because I just got on Twitter and she was like, I just lifted a whole bed. I was like, What the fuck is she doing? <laughs> why? <laughs> like, I'm exhausted sitting at this fucking desk. <laughs> why is she out here? <laughs> that man literally looked back at me. He was like, Man, damn, you strong. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I be lifting weights. He was like, damn, okay. That's what's up. He was like, my nigga. And he was like, shit, I don't even know if I was helping you. Like, <laughs> you know, it's real when a dude just go out all, all out of his way and just be like, no, nah, you strong. I've been hulking out here. And I am so proud to say that I'm like 200 pounds solid right now. Like, I... I've been trying to put on muscle and like restructure and reshape my body and it's fucking working. And I like never did I ever think that I would be okay being like, I weigh 200 pounds, but I'm like 200 strong, nigga. <laughs> literally like the smallest I've ever been at this weight. And it's crazy, but 
do you think that's helping you feel better or just about yeah it just feels good to feel strong like i just feel strong and, and my clothes look better like i just feel hey man you get ultraviolet you get calm down bro no, no I'm just like no, I'm, I'm just playing like <laughs> you like i'm just like i feel strong. like i've been working so <laughs> i feel like i've been working so hard for this shit and i'm finally starting to like see it you sound like one of them niggas though that's ready to like to go beat a bitch's ass. Just be like, yeah, I'm about that shit, nigga. Your girl is out trying here trying to fuck with somebody <laughs> mentally before like a boxing match. Be like that person that just go uh, hitting people on the shoulder. Like, hey, bro, what's up? <laughs> Crushing cans and shit. Oh, no. Oh, you need that jar open? Okay, I got you, bro. <laughs> No, but like, <laughs> just put your hand on the shoulder and be like, "All right, little nigga." That that is what niggas will get so fucking in their feelings over that shit. It's just a yeah. It's just an overall good feeling when you feel strong. It is. It really is. So, like, when you're like, "Yeah, I could fuck somebody up." Mm-hmm. I was that once upon a time ago, long, long time ago. But yeah. Yeah, but that was just hilarious. He was like, damn, you strong. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I do things. (laughs) Hear me roar. (laughs) But for everybody also, like, commenting on me, like, taking this kind of job and being like, oh, we just never thought. I don't I didn't strike you as that type of person to do that. I'm just like, it just shows me that y'all don't pay attention to me because I've had jobs (laughs) jobs <laughs> job jobs <laughs> like i'm out here bro. i've never been i've never been the mm-mm, i'm too good to work at mcdonald's person ever in my life I, i've also been that way because you gotta fucking survive like ain't nobody paying for me right now right. other I'm than me grinding, bro. <laughs> like you gotta survive if that means having to take two or three jobs to figure your shit out before you get a good one that's what you gotta do I'm starting to see that that's more of a generational thing, too, with us. We were like, man, fuck this shit. <laughs> like, I'll figure this shit out. I don't need your fucking bullshit. Yeah. And I'm, like, getting to that point, too, where I'm like, man, save me a little bit, and then I'm going to be out here, bro. Somebody asked me the other day, like, what I was doing right now, and I was just like, chilling. <laughs> they was like, damn, see you in an early retirement? And I was like, shit, honestly, basically, like, me and Casey, that's that's what we're doing. Like, cause she doesn't work at the turtle no more. So, but she coaches and stuff. But right. Like, she's always been a hustler though. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, we just chilling and figuring this shit out now. Chilling don't mean that I'm not working at all. Cause like I said, I'm. <laughs> I ain't sitting on my ass like you niggas. <laughs> I'm, I'm helping out in a furniture store, but it's not like a it's not like a career job. It's just a little, just some quick cash. Yeah. Under I mean, the table kind of shit. Um. <laughs> I got to start diversifying. That's what we're going to say. Just get out here. Like You do. You just need to get out here, period. Yeah. I mean, it's some stuff I'm I'm thinking about. Might get out here on them. Like, um, like, Akeem seems that way, too. Like, he's out here doing his own thing. And so, it seems freeing not to have those constraints. And to pretty much be working to become your own man, like on your terms, that shit is dope. Um, 
that's like eventually what I'm trying to do. Because once I get my esthetician's license, that's it. Like I can start my own shit if I wanted to. Like that's that's honestly the best way for us to move right now, our generation. Yeah. Um, I was out. I had to go out to Madison for something, and so I was at uh the city building out there on Hughes, mm-hmm. and um, what was a guy. Like two guys, they work for something. Like they may have been plumbers or something, mm-hmm. but they were paying a ticket. And this one guy was talking about his son had just graduated and he was going to do an apprenticeship to become an electrician. And he was like, "It's a, it's eighty electrician jobs at this one company." I was like, "God damn!" He's like, "They need them because everybody they told everybody to go to college all these years." And he was like, "I mean, you're competing with everybody else that went to college." If you go and do these trainings and do stuff like that, man, write your own way. When I post things about, like, um, our generation and and the difference between, like, our parents' generation, like, the thing I posted the other day, like, our age, 18 to 34, is the most stressed out of uh, all the population and it's because you know we went to college and we were promised that that was going to help us get further in life but in actuality we just accumulated a whole lot of debt just to work these regular ass hourly jobs that have nothing to do with our degrees and I noticed that none of our parents generation ever make any comments on those and it's like y'all have to know that there's a lot of truth in this statement and it's not us just bitching because I think they just think that we just like to bitch because we don't like to work for anything and you know what I'm saying but it's just like all those articles where they're like millennials are ruining this millennials it's been a negative campaign against us since we were 18 years old but all we've been trying to do is get out here and make it like y'all did but right. it's, it's just getting harder every generation because of these fucking financial setbacks that we keep signing ourselves up for in hopes that it's going to pay off. Like, um, I was, somebody, I think it was like New York Times or somebody, they did this whole uh, thing about Generation X, talking about them, because nobody ever talks about Generation X. Mm -mm. So Generation X roughly is 19, people born between 1965 and about 1980. Okay, so my parents were born in 62. They're boomers. My dad's a boomer. Yeah. My mom was born in 65, so she's a Generation Xer, technically, even though she she's a boomer. But all her younger siblings are Generation X. Hmm. So you got people like Kurt Cobain, Tupac, Biggie, uh, Eddie Vedder, the guys from, like, that generation, early 90s people, like, that were out here. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever talks about, like, them because they're sandwiched in between boomers which the baby boomers are the biggest generation ever, number-wise, because everybody went to World War II, came back, and started fucking. (laughs) All around the world. (laughs) Yep. So there are more boomers than anybody else. But I think we actually may have just as many people now as boomers. So, like, boomers don't understand things because they grew up, their parents were World War II veterans. Mm. Came back because the GI Bill, they were able to go to college and they built places in the suburbs and their kids went to college 
yeah. and stuff. They don't understand a world where n- there's no opportunity like that. Mm-hmm. And because of a big recession, people stayed on the jobs longer and people uh, weren't, our parents weren't putting themselves in, uh, they weren't thinking about the future. They were only thinking about, yo, let's get this bread right now. We're going to keep up with the Joneses. We're going to be out here. We're going to have a a nice car. We're going to have all this shit. They didn't think about what it was going to be like for us. And I don't know if you automatically do automatically think about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Obviously, you don't because. (laughs) Yeah, but it's. We we really need to start talking more about like generational stuff, like our generation as a whole, because uh, and let like let our art and our entertainment speak for what's going on. Yes, like that's the only negative about like mumble rap and stuff. It hides a lot of who we really are, like our our parents' generations. Is, uh, let's say boomers and Xers, they at least were sp- able to vocalize their uh, their dilemmas in their generation. Mm-hmm. Like a movie like Reality Bites mm-hmm. captures a moment. Mm-hmm. It's not too many, like our art and stuff isn't reflective of our struggles. It's all Instagram shit. <laughs> It's all everybody has their life together. No, nobody has their life together. <laughs> we are all out here suffering, <laughs> actually. Right. Like, I read that interview with Rihanna where she was, uh, I can't remember who she was interviewed by. Oh, Sarah Paulson. Mm-hmm. And, she, and she was just talking about how she was not in a good space during Anti and how she was trying to figure stuff out and you can hear that frustration in that album, Mm -hmm. but it's just weird to think about literally the richest female musician was just out here trying to figure out life and she's our age. So like literally everybody in our generation is going through that, trying to figure stuff out and people don't understand. That was deep. That was some good shit. That was some good shit. Yo, I'm floating over here. I'm over here just nodding my head like, yeah, hell yeah, yeah nigga. nigga. Yeah, yeah, nigga. Man. I was thinking about, I was going to look down and be like, damn, I didn't even record none of that shit. I'd have been mad as fuck. What were you about to say? I forgot. Um, I made a new friend, or I'm seeming to make a new friend with um Tara from Quantaphonics, the singer. Oh, okay. The one with the blonde hair. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I think I follow her on my regular Twitter account too. She's just been kind of like messaging, like responding to like my stories on Instagram and like messaging me like, oh my God, this looks so fun. Like, oh my God, I love going there. And I'm always like, well, girl, you know, if you want to kick it, like come out, come, come hang. And she's like, yeah. So like, we just been kind of like developing a friendship, which is so crazy because I literally 
love her. <laughs> <laughs> like every time I hear her sing, I'm just like, oh yes, girl, yes. I listened to her on the uh it's another podcast in Huntsville where they interview people. It's like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People of Huntsville. Yes. yes. People of Huntsville. We, I think podcast. we talked about that, them being on there. Yeah. Uh, or her being on there, she was talking about like her childhood and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, we talked about that. Um, it's a lot of people out here moving, man. Yo, I had no idea Cameron Curtis had a fucking podcast. <laughs> when I was like, no. Did you hit him up? Are you friends with him on social media? Uh, I actually I forgot to hit him up. That's what I I was supposed to do that this weekend. I was supposed to uh just text him and tell him because we're friends on. I mean. I followed him on Twitter after I realized that the rocket. Wait, let me see. What is it? Because they were on the list of the podcasts we were uh, featured on on uh, our Valley events. Rocket Punch. Yes. So it's a it's a uh, it's a comic book and gaming podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that shit is right on. <laughs> like Cameron Curse has really extended his era of black excellence and I'm like, yo, this nigga is really out here, bro. Like perfect example of what we were talking about when <laughs> yes. we described him. Yo, um but yeah, there's a lot of people out here. Um we also somebody on um the Let Me Tell You Something podcast. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to meet up and let us have coffee or something. And I was like, they don't realize we're sinners. <laughs> Yikes. Let's let's see their description. A podcast created to be a big sister, therapist, and drinking partner. They hope to advise, listen without judgment, and always keep it 100. Mm-hmm. Okay. And. Oh, she added me on Facebook, and I was trying to figure out. Who sent her? <laughs> Who sent her? But her name is... Uh, Damn, Cersei. <laughs> her name is... Anyway, no, she added me on Facebook, and I didn't add her back yet, because I was like, I don't know who this woman is, and how is she... Because I've had some weird requests from, like, African women, and they're like, hey, can I be your friend? I want to be your friend. And I'm like, what is this? So when I see, like, Facebook requests <laughs> from older black women, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> why <laughs> so okay i will i will accept her request um that's uh, funny okay. yeah i ran into katie lau and she was like you know what i started doing and i was like what's up she's like listening to y'all's podcast and i was like oh shit <laughs> like kind of want to be like oh god what do they know i about always want to hide when people tell me that i'm I like She's like, no, it's like really good. Like, you should not be feeling that way. And I'm it's like, like mm, are you sure? Okay. <laughs> Don't judge me, sis. Like, <laughs> I know it's like, bro. I was, I was in a weird mood that day. Like, you feel like having to rationalize or explain yeah. yourself yeah. to people. Sorry if I sound like a depressed ass bitch <laughs> all the time, but <laughs> I'm not really as moody as I sound. <laughs> but it was, it was just, it was a lot going on that day. I just tend to go through things a lot. That's all. The funny thing is, like, sometimes I'll listen, like, when I'm editing or, like, the first listen, and I'll be like, I totally don't even feel that way anymore. Same. I'll be like, damn, who was I? At that exact minute, I, I kind of don't like myself. Who the fuck was I that day? Like, ew. <laughs> what is wrong with me? 
Yo, um, Akeem loved our last episode. Really? He was like, this is the best episode. The one with Britney? Yeah. That's cute. He was like, this this the best one because she's funny as hell. That shit with Usher and I'm had. I'm you, her good, her good ass speaking voice. She just has a good radio voice. She needs a podcast. I listen to that shit, and I stay it because I stay it already. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that <laughs> I got to make sound drops of her saying that shit because the sir Usher put his dick on Snapchat. <laughs> I listened to that shit like <laughs> 10 times in a row back to back. Again, but- we can see you. <laughs> <laughs> that shit took me down. I played it for Wendy. She was like, she does kind of have that California accent now, doesn't she? I was like, yeah. but as we started talking, you like, you could hear. She uh, always has sounded that like, yeah, uh, like she might have picked up on some of the lingo, but I don't think her actual accent has changed. No. But we all she's never really had like a super southern twang. It's just like it's just like with all of us, you could hear it on some words when we say it. You're like, oh yeah. yeah. But people say that about me too, especially like foreigners around here. Foreigners? God damn. I'm saying. Like people who have just moved here from like other places. Yeah. yeah like they're always just like, you don't sound like everyone else around here. That's what I, like that's why I was surprised at the time that uh, Kim Jeter said that I, I'm country as hell. I was like, really? I was wondering what she was talking about too. I was like, mm. but we hear each other talk every day, so we don't. I don't. I don't know. Am I country? I, I got sometimes, country but we all are. A little bit of country, a little bit of rock and roll, <laughs> <laughs> bro. Like, it's sometimes I I do wish I secretly recorded myself more because i be saying some crazy shit sometimes like and i think about it I'd be like, man why the fuck people heard me say that. you should record yourself and just listen back sometimes like, was, don't even put it out no, nowhere just like like the memo thing is kind of cool but like i, I don't want to just do it like everywhere mm. but uh that shit was funny as fuck too when britney said that i secretly record the way she like led up to like the punchlines of stuff and she that was just her talking that shit was funny as fuck like she was like i mean oh, i can never let anybody listen to this podcast <laughs> but i've been secretly recording people <laughs> <laughs> that also that episode also made me realize i have got to uh stop laughing over people <laughs> i had to cut myself down on the uh when you said Usher put his dick on Snapchat oh, because yeah. the actual audio, I was right in the microphone just <laughs> dying fucking laughing. So I actually cut my microphone on that part. Okay. That's why you can only hear me in the background. Gotcha. Because I was way too fucking loud. And I was like, yo. <laughs> yeah, that was a good episode. It flowed really well. Yeah. And then I felt I really wanted to just leave it all up. Yeah. But it was good to go to me. Like, just had to edit a couple things. <laughs> Small things. People were like, who were, who were y'all talking about? <laughs> you can never know. There's only one person who knows who yep. she is. <laughs> Don't even know if she listens, but if she happens to stumble upon one of these episodes, she will know that it is her. <laughs> Thank you.
should go ahead and talk about uh, when they see us. Okay. Um. So. Did let me see what you got over here. Oh, I went off a tangent. Oh, okay. The first one. Let me just read real quick so I can decide what we should hit first. <laughs> read my extensive thoughts of me at that one moment <laughs> before I calm down. Because <laughs> I think, like, when I tweeted that uh, I shouldn't have watched it, because I was waiting to watch it. Because I was like, man, I do not need this negative. Like, mm-hmm. I have really been trying to avoid negative energy. Like, on a wave of, like, yo, it's. It's not going to send me into no, like, I can't let current events fuck me up. Okay, okay. What? Yeah. What? I mean, we could talk about it. I was just, I wouldn't mean it. Like, I was like. No. (laughs) Oh, you're you're just trying to decide. Literally agree with all of these. All of these were my exact same points. So, I guess we should just start from the top then about, like. What it's about, and you know. Okay. So, um, when they see us, is a documentary on Netflix by Ava DuVernay with her fine ass. Shout out to her. Um, and like somebody said, they were like, she's got another one because she knocked out the part with thirteen. She knocked it out of the park with Selma. She knocked it out of the park with this. I didn't see a uh, wrinkle in time, but I'm sure she killed that yeah um it's it's a uh it's not a documentary but it's a uh docuseries yeah well no it's a dramatized yeah it's a dramatized docuseries it's not really it is but it isn't because they did ended up like including the actual people and men in the end so it's just like it's a Wow. I never thought about it. what is a it? reenactment. Yeah, they reenacted. I mean, it's mm. it's, just, it's a documentary, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a doc. Like it's, it's a weird thing. Like anyway, y'all know what the fuck we talk about. Basically, a four part movie. Yeah. Let's look. Because there's there's no like in show commentary like a documentary. Right, but a documentary is usually just on objective facts they dramatized some of it for this. But uh anyway, it's about the Central Park Five who, if you don't know, which I'm assuming everyone was everybody that's listening to this podcast knows uh what movie we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But uh the Central Park Five were five teenagers in I believe nineteen eighty nine that were ar- falsely arrested and coerced into admitting to the rape of a female jogger and a white female jogger in uh, Central Park. And they eventually went to jail for it for, for I think years. Yeah. So most of them between eight and 15 years. Only one of them was charged as an adult. The rest of them had to serve in a juvenile center. Yeah. Um, and these were, they were young as, like, young ass kids. Between the ages of 14 and, what, 17 was the oldest? 16? 16. 14 and 16? I think it was 13 through 16. It was something like that. They were young men. Very young. Um, Very innocent. 
Yeah, that was the that all, was the tri- all of them were innocent. That was the triggering part. That's the part that made me really angry. They were so innocent that they couldn't even fathom that what was happening to them could happen in life. Yeah, and I remember being that innocent. You could you could just tell that what was happening to them was a literal nightmare before their eyes. Like you could just feel yeah. that like dooming energy that they had to have during this time yeah and i think that was the hard part i i remember being that innocent like you ever see somebody that kind of looks like you at the age like you see a little kid you're like i remember and then like seeing that uh black boy joy or black girl joy like man i remember my nephew literally he looks like me and it kind of makes you sad because you're like <laughs> They're going to realize the world. I literally thought about that this morning. I don't know what triggered it, but I, I just sat in my bed and I was just thinking about like him growing up and like the first time he truly gets his heart broken by the world. Yeah. And you you don't want them to go through that. And I, you can't like prepare. You cannot prepare a young kid for that. No, because they don't understand all of the workings of the world well enough to understand the hurt that comes from it. So it's just like it just happens. I've been thinking about that lately because my ne- like after when I was watching it, my nephew. Oh my god, I feel like a bad uncle. I think he's about to be fourteen, or is fifteen? I thought he was turning fifteen. Oh my god, he is turning fifteen. <laughs> that that's surreal in itself. But the idea that a kid Deshaun's age was accused of this stuff and you have to, they're literally telling you your life is over. You've been accused of the worst thing you can actually do to a person. 15 is like such a baby. Yeah. You're so new to the world. But unless you're black or I'm assuming other ethnicities, but it's something about the black body. And the way that we mature when we go through puberty and stuff, that's different. Yeah. People view us as a threat where they over-sexualize our young girls. Mm-hmm. So it, it's sad. And I had to pause it at the part where they, uh, where, where his dad came in and told him to say what the police want. I was like, I was that so was angry. Double brainwashing right there because yeah. like, you have this black man who is just trying to survive in society because they're in Harlem. Yeah. Like old Harlem. They're in not black, gentrified Harlem. Black they're in black Harlem in the early nineties. Like they are just trying to get by and survive. So like when this kind of shit happens, they're doing what the white man is telling them to do. So it's just like being doubly passed on to this child who is having to learn in this harsh way that we just have to do what white men want us to do in life, but that's hurting us, but it helps us at the same time. So it's conflicting. So it's just like for the dad to be like pressured and, you know, it's just, but he had also been institutionalized since he had been in jail. Yeah. So you're seeing the, the end result of what, going through that system makes you it's literally happening like inside out either you can't function on the outside or you function and you've decided that you're never going back 
and you fear for your kid. You're like, just do whatever you got to do. Just, and that just survive. is a constant state of paranoia. That's living a paranoid life to have to think that way. Like, just do what you got to do to stay your ass out of jail. Because you got to see how easy it is to fucking go to jail being black in America during that time, during now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't even have to be doing nothing illegal, but shit somebody just might feel like arresting some niggas one day right <laughs> and i never really say what i do on here not because i'm ashamed just because you know y'all niggas bitch but uh <laughs> so i literally see that shit every day that was the other part of it i was like man I, like when when you start seeing how many people go to jail in huntsville a day you realize how fucking easy it is to go to fucking jail nigga when i worked at the law office I was the one that was setting up all of the files of the new cases that were coming in. If I missed a day or two, I would have like 30 to 40 new new cases to open on my desk. Yeah. I'm just like, it's this many fuckers out. Men, this many motherfuckers out here just getting arrested. Yes. And most of it is just for like possession of marijuana. Yeah. Or tickets. It, it's nothing or not showing up missing a court date or something right and it's really because most of those people miss court dates because they don't have money to pay tickets you don't just have five hundred dollars laying around just to fucking pay some shit or sometimes they don't have a fucking way to get to the courthouse right depending on where they live and what their situation is or and a word of advice to anybody listening and driving in huntsville watch out because half of huntsville ain't got a fucking license you ever like wonder <laughs> how do these people have a fucking license? Most of them don't. And they are out here driving with no insurance, speeding, got tons of warrants. Yeah. But it's not hard to go to fucking jail. And just seeing the system every day, it's I was like, and this shit's gonna be tough to watch. And I just kept watching. And then, so... Because it was hard to watch, but it was like you had to watch. Yeah, it was like... like uh, I'm, at some point, I'm going to talk... Like, I knew I was going to talk to you about it. And I was going to talk to everybody else because everybody else is watching it. But, essentially, we're all over the place with it. We just assume that y'all watched the movie, too. So, we're just saying what we... How we felt about it. Um, the history of this country is the idea that black people especially black men are sinister savages who cannot be trusted especially around white women Mm -hmm. i'm just reading my notes because i'm dope as fuck like that (laughs) from uh birth of a nation to emmett hill to central park five that spans roughly uh 70 years it's a constant thing. It's in. It's why black men have been lynched by the hundreds and by the thousands. It's why uh, Jim Crow existed. It's the biggest fear to America then was miscegenation, mm-hmm. which is the mixing of races. Because they felt that it would end the white race. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they have set up laws to make sure that black and white people didn't fuck. Mm -hmm. And if a black man was ever close to a white woman, he was a threat. 
So therefore, that threat must be neutralized by jailing those people. So, like you, it made me just so fucking angry. Felicity Huffman is a good fucking actress too because Man, she, I hate that I bitch. I hated her fucking ass. I wanted to mollywop her ass up and down, motherfucking. Oh my god, she was too she was, good at that I fucking know. role. And then like my dumb ass, because you know she got into that college scam circle. I was like, good, that bitch deserved it. Like <laughs> it wasn't even her. It was. I was like, Man, fuck that bitch. Yeah. And then I looked up the woman who did do it. Like everybody else, like yeah, fuck her. Until I realized she's the basis of Olivia on SVU. It's oh. based on her. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that anymore. Wow, I didn't. I never would have like known about that. Yeah, like when I was, I knew, like, cause I'm an SVU junkie. As like, yeah. It's one of my guilty pleasure shows because it's an awful show. But um, <laughs> I knew that it was based on a real New York detective uh-huh. in the sex crimes unit. And that's ca- why they casually mentioned sex crimes. And then I was like, hmm. huh. I was like, damn. Okay. But yeah, um, fuck that bitch. And then like at the end when she was like, well, we got him. This is clearly the sixth uh, rapist. Like, you dirty bitch. Just admit you were wrong. Just admit, you, admit that you racist as hell. Yeah. Like, like come on, bro. <laughs> we know. We it's, all it's know. It's showing. It's showing. Yeah. And we then, can see it. They can see it when it was happening. Like, and then I, I was trying to decide who the prosecutor was. Like, what other movie she was from. Because that, uh, that permed wig threw me way off. But she's the lady from The Conjuring. Did you ever see The Conjuring? I think so, but I don't remember. Oh, she's in something else. I can't remember. But yeah. She did She did look familiar. But yeah, that just... I think everybody can probably agree with this, but Corey's situation was just absolutely... You know what the saddest part of it is? Terrible. I think they watered down some of it. Yeah, they had to. I know they watered down a like, lot of it. You know it. the candy scene when he was like, well, the, the guard was like, oh, what are you going to do for me? I was thinking, yeah. oh, God, I know what this is about to lead to. I was so And nervous. then he just brought the candy to him. I was like, it ain't no way that's the kind of candy that nigga was looking for. <laughs> I was like, it's no way that. They kind of, they gloss over it. And I can understand because I don't know if I would want people to know some of the stuff that happened with me. But you could kind of deduce. Exactly. And you were like, oh, this is probably way worse than this. Yeah. That shit is sad as fuck. Yeah. But then that was, that was another. And then too, I couldn't fucking tell if he was mixed or if he was super light black or if he was white. He's uh, Afro-Dominican. So it's just like that's another like brainwashing and like manipulation is it's that crabs in a barrel thing almost with that like relationship because it's like okay you have power inside of this small place so you think you're better than because what oh, he you're did, talking about the guard the guard because okay. what he did it was trying to make sure that he could break him down mentally yeah. That's why he told him not to say like that he was hurt or wanted to go to the nurse 
because he would get hurt worse. No, he knew that if he had to go into solitary confinement, he would lose his fucking mind. I don't, I think that dude was white. Well, I don't know. Actually, I never even thought about it. I assumed he was white. Huh. Shit is. And then the second guard kind of reiterated that same thing. But he was more uh paternalistic. Yeah. He was uh um which is often just as toxic. But uh I mean we could have that conversation about how the quote unquote white savior, how toxic that is. We've had that conversation before though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was it was reinforcing the idea of you need me to get by. Mm-hmm. Even like when he was like, are you sh- sh- kid? You can't transfer. Even though we see that. Fucking right. That shit was so fucked up too. When he was just like, no, like I'm going to go for it because nothing else bad can happen to me. And in he life. ended up 500 miles away from his mom. So devastating. Yeah, and then that other, that black guard. I probably would have committed suicide. I definitely would have. Uh, that's the other thing I was thinking. Of, oh, I ain't going through this shit. <laughs> Hundreds of miles further. That, yeah. I'm also that person that if a zombie attack ever happened, all I need is one bullet. <laughs> and then the situation with his mom and his brother. Yeah. That was also so fucking sad. And then the way it shifted when they mentioned, like, at first, like, I was like, at first, I couldn't tell if... When he was... Um, before he transitioned. When he was hallucinating or like... No, like... Because they just introduced his uh, his brother just out of it, out of the blue. Like, and I was like, who the fuck is that? But as his sister, though. Yeah, but like, remember in the flashback? Yeah. He was like, he kept calling him brother and stuff. And I was like... But is he... I, like, I couldn't tell if... But that was only in the flashback. But when he, I feel like, didn't he say sister at one point? Did he ever? No, you remember his mom visited that time and he, and she was like, has your brother came? And I'm like, which brother? And he was like, and she was like, you know, the only one that will ever come for you. They casually mentioned her before, before. All right. <laughs> it gets tricky with pronouns. I am not trying to offend anybody. Right. But before. His brother transitioned to become his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, they they, re- they referenced that, but I couldn't tell at first if it was a girl transitioning to a boy or a boy transitioning to a girl, because mm-hmm. she looked so young. Mm-hmm. And so when like when his mom kicked her out, that that shit was painful too. That is a story in a lot of black families and to find out that she was a drug dealer right and he was like on top of that like bitch you you judging somebody else you dealing crack (laughs) and then also just reiterates like that passed down strife because they you know she had her monologue where she was like you don't know what the hell i've been through and you don't know what i did to get here and you don't know you know you don't know me so it was just like damn like not only is this right here like such a painful truth about like a lot of black families but we're getting it exponentially because now we're showing like generational pain like yeah now you you can see that everybody that's going through shit is basically 
just been passed down. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. <laughs> and that's why everybody, like, it's so cliche, but that's why everybody always talks about breaking generational, generational curses. curses and shit because... Man, you could, man, we were raised by the same people. Pain is passed down. I promise you. With that, that's why the fuck they tell pregnant women not to stress. Yeah, or not to be angry. Pain is passed down. My mom actually was talking to me about that because her mom died when she was pregnant with me. Her mom died, and my dad's brother died the same week. And then when I was born, the dad was born. My cousin, my mom's first cousin, died. Damn. So it was just. My mom brought me into a world in a lot of stress and pain. And she was talking to me. She was like, I wonder if I pass that to you. And she was, she, I guess she had never thought about it. And she was like, I wonder how much of that, of your like depression and anxiety came from in the womb. Hmm. But that shit was like watching it play out. It was like, yeah, this is. This this why it matters so much to all of us. Because this is a story for so many of us. Like it's the story for so many uh young black men. It's the story for so many uh gay or trans teens. It's the story of the criminal justice system. How it's just so much packed into it. And I'm glad that it was a mini series and it wasn't just like one thing. Because you had it was so much to unravel going forward, and you're just like, damn. Now the whole time I was wondering, I was like, damn, where is Corey? <laughs> and then that nigga showed up and showed out in the, uh, that last episode. Um, Corey's story just really got me. That kid is a good fucking actor too. He yeah he was because he, he was, was good in the Moonlight too. He was very good. Oh yeah, that was him in Moon for Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Damn, it was. And then the whole time I was like, God damn, he still looks young as fuck. <laughs> and then he looked older. And I was like, how did you fucking do this shit? Like, it's just like that Marvel, like. Right, how <laughs> do you play yourself at two different ages? It's like, oh, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, when they had the younger Michael Douglas, like, that's Wall Street, Michael Douglas. How the, what kind of sorcerers do Disney have over there? <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of Disney. That nigga Charlie Conway from Mighty Ducks came through trying to save uh, the kids. He was the lawyer. What happened with that? You remember? Uh, no, on the uh, on the movie. You didn't pay attention that the lawyer in the beginning was Charlie from Mighty Ducks. Joshua Jackson. The good, the nice lawyer that was trying to help them with the beard. I need to see a picture of that. I can't like it's not jogging my memory right now. How you gonna forget Charlie from Mighty Ducks? He was a, a important part of our childhood. Cause ducks fly together. <laughs> when the wind is cold and the sky is black, <laughs> ducks fly together. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. Josh Jackson. Yeah. Okay, I always associate him with um, Dawson's Creek. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Was he? Who's what? Pacey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he like the um his uh, biggest rival or whatever? Yeah. Damn. I don't want to wait <laughs> for our lives to be over. <laughs> um, but I think I think that 
when they see us was very well written and the actors were amazing the the cast that they chose couldn't have been more perfect michael k williams is a wonderful actor too yes, everything he he's ever in i feel that nigga yeah. like in the wire which is still the greatest show of all time yeah like that nigga is a good fucking actor yes he is and it's he also is. most people that look like michael k williams wouldn't get the roles that michael k williams gets yeah He's a dark-skinned nigga with a scar on his face and still acting his ass Yeah, off. because somebody gave him a shot. That shit's wild. Yeah. Niecy um, Nash also did a really Niecy good job. Niecy Nash did the damn thing. Um, When she came back delivered, <laughs> I was like, okay, now I can root for you. Because I was, I was really upset that I was going to, like, when she chewed out uh, his sister, for saying that she wasn't a real woman and shit, I was mm-hmm. I, I felt real bad. I was like, man, fuck DC Dash. <laughs> and that that's like a perfect example of like parents hurting their children in a very deep way. Yeah, like that's a that's a burn the bridge kind of. Those are burn the bridge kind of words. Those are words that are gonna scar your child for the rest of their lives, which is going to in turn create other mental health issues and just be more careful about how we treat our children. Always be your maybe came out on Netflix is uh starring Ali Wong and Randall Park mm-hmm. and has a mostly Asian cast. Yes it is. Um could you speak in the mic? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do it better. I feel like I'm picking up pretty well, am I not? Do I need to I be? just turned you up. Oh. I, I snapped early. I'm trying to be better about this. <laughs> like tactfully be like can you please uh, I guess I'm too I'm scooted back too far today. The only reason I, d- I say it because, like, when I was editing the last one. Oh, shit. I need to get a, a mat in here. That way we can roll. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to roll it's on. Nice-ass <laughs> carpet. <laughs> this carpet is thicker than a snicker. Um, so, uh, <laughs> it's thick. I don't know why that word is just funny to me. Thick. Thick. What, to describe like inanimate objects? Yeah, like thick. <laughs> Carpet thick. Um, so, yeah, I have a mostly Asian cast on Always Be Your Maybe. And I also had a really good soundtrack. They started that shit off with Souls of Mischief 93 to Infinity. That shit dope as fuck. Did have a pretty good soundtrack. Um, apparently, uh, Randall Park used to be a rapper. Oh, so he played himself in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was wondering, like, that had to have been written by him. But, uh, star Ali Wong's Beautiful Self. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a whole bunch of other beautiful Asian people, including uh, Mr. Keanu Reeves, who is part Asian. Fine as hell. Bro, that introduction Still. with him is the funniest shit I've ever fucking His seen. His character was very hilarious. <laughs> it's like a super like uh version of himself. It's like 
basically. Like, what would Keanu Reeves do? The, it was, it's basically the most, the most like a douchebag <laughs> version of himself that he could be. Like they went to that fancy ass fucking restaurant, and what were they eating? It was so bullshit. They were like, oh, this is some rich ass shit. It <laughs> went back to his house. He was just listening to earthy music and shit. I wonder how often though that kind of like a love story happens. It has to happen often because I feel like. There's a lot of plots like, that kind of surround that that like awkward old flame that actually becomes mm-hmm. something. Um, I think it probably happens a lot. My mom actually was talking about two of her classmates that had left Port Gibson like twenty years like ago. They ended up started dating. Mm-hmm. And then they they moved in together actually. And she was like, I never Thought that so I think it happens a lot. Um it was I mean it was most romantic comedies aren't uh we'll, we'll say they're not the godfather. Most romantic comedies are not deep uh movies. They're just Well yeah. But you don't go you don't go to McDonald's expecting gourmet <laughs> You think it's serving shit right off the fucking grill? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it has to be a thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I was just saying more so, like, um, I thought it was a good movie, and like the early part of it, especially when they were younger, that's ex- that's as realistic of a lose your virginity thing as possible. Like, just it's just awkward and it's just <laughs> like okay all right it's just quirky and it's okay. just like i don't know what to do i don't know what thanks. to do either thanks for your time like that shit was funny as fuck now what <laughs> it's like what does this mean right okay <laughs> now i did feel like their argument maybe wasn't it just went from zero to a hundred real quick like I mean, the dude's dad. I mean, dude's mom had died, and oh, spoilers. Oh, <laughs> uh, so um, I mean, I get that he was acting out in anger, but if like, if you are my best friend my whole life, and we just fucked, <laughs> and your mom, who kind of helped raise me, just died, I don't know if one con- like one angry blow up within no. our friendship. No. So I I felt like that was kind of unrealistic. Yeah, it was kind of dramatic. Yeah, and it was... But I mean, hey, it, it progressed the plot, we'll say. <laughs> but I did like the characters in it. Yeah. Because Ali Wong sold that role. She is so pretty. Mm-hmm. She is very pretty. Do you ever watch her stand-up? Yes. Um, she's funny as fuck. She don't give a flying <laughs> fuck about anything. I love it. She's so pretty. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, who was the dude that played her fiance in the beginning? Daniel Kim. Yes. Like, that nigga. Like, as a straight person, when you see somebody that is like that handsome, you like fuck that nigga. <laughs> he is unreal. Yeah, it's like man. So these motherfuckers exist out here, really, bro? Like, like fuck that nigga. Where the fuck did you come from? You beautiful, ugly ass motherfucker. 
Same as Keanu Reeves. Like, man, fuck Keanu Reeves. So good looking that it's almost weird if you look at him too long. Like, what? <laughs> you actually ugly, but yeah. damn, you like, bro, you ugly motherfucker. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh, you gonna steal my girl? <laughs> Yo. Randall Park's uh, girlfriend in that was like, yo, fuck this nigga. I'm going, I'm staying. <laughs> she was so high. <laughs> she was like, yo, this is my only time to shoot this shot and I'm shooting it. She, was she said, she said, bitch, I'm here right now. Fuck this shit. I ain't going with you. <laughs> like she threw all that wokeness out. She had dreads and everything. She was ready to, to risk it all. Ship, honey. She said, fuck them kids. <laughs> Uh, and they also did a really good job of showing uh, the uh, closeness of, of Asian communities and then also showing the differences in it mm. in subtle ways to where it wasn't like preachy. Mm-hmm. And then um, because he was Korean and I believe she was Chinese in it. I may be wrong. I don't believe. I believe Wong is in. I just am not well versed. <laughs> I don't even want to. I'm going to stay out of this one. <laughs> I don't even want to comment. Um, but yeah, it was it was really, it was good. I liked it. It was, in, it was also a good uh, palate cleanser from all the dark ass fucking shit I usually watch. <laughs> <laughs> like the new season of Handmaid Still came out. Ooh, shit. So yeah. How how many episodes have you watched? I have not watched any episodes. I failed again. <laughs> we set these goals and you don't do it. I am so <laughs> trash. I went home and went to sleep last night. I took a nap. I went to bed. I got into bed at like nine o'clock. Washed goals. <laughs> I set it up and like started to watch it and fell asleep on that shit. Um but yeah, that shit is Everybody keeps talking about it. I really do need to catch up while it's still in the earlier. Yeah. Because what is it? Season two that's out or season, season three? three? Yeah. And first three episodes came out so together. Um, the only thing is, if you watch that show, man, June is a fucking... <laughs> in the middle of all this oppression, June is still an entitled white woman and that shit is mind-blowing. <laughs> In women's slavery, she is still fucking. I'm calling the manager. Damn. <laughs> when you see it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, oh, this is kind of infuriating. Um. Oh, other thing I was thinking of. What are some of your favorite romantic comedies ever? Um, guess who was probably my favorite because it came out around the time that me and Matt started dating. So it was literally like life, (laughs) literally my life. Um, I thought Hitch was funny. Um, I forgot about it. Yeah. Hitches. That's an all time classic rom-com. Um, um, um. One of my favorites, for some reason, was always "He's not that into you." I do like that one. That was a, a megastar cast. 
Speaking of beautiful people, there's beautiful people all over that fucking movie. <laughs> I like uh, Monster in Law. I haven't seen that in so long. I like the J Lo wedding movies. <laughs> that was a thing. I it was a thing. That was she def- was in a Wedding Planner, and then Monster in Law was another wedding movie. And it was then, one other uh, one. Uh, it's, it's another one. We just can't think of it. Um, the best man. The best man. That's a good one. Classic um, black classic. Uh. Clueless is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I don't actually tell people that enough. I've seen Clueless probably 50, 60 times. Clueless is literally like the perfect depiction of the 90s for us. Yeah. Like, I feel like we can relate really heavily to that era of the 90s. Yeah. And it was also like a cultural, like, they like, that's a, that's an iconic movie. Like even to where I don't like Iggy Azalea, but when she used that shit for uh the oh, yeah, video the for uh yeah, like I was like, that's a dope it's, fucking yeah, movie. Yeah. Um smart and smart. also Paul Rudd has not aged a fucking bit. Nope. And I was watching Knocked Up, which is another one of my favorite rom coms oh, ever. I used to love Knocked Up. I forgot how much of that I know. I like I know so much of that movie. That was when Seth Rogen was like just becoming yes. hot on the scene. Yes, and then uh, that's also the last movie I went to see with like, Akeem and Doug them before I went to college. Mm. And so, like, I remember we were dying laughing, like the part where they're at dinner and they're talking about uh, what they wanted to do when they found out they were pregnant. And he was like, "I just, uh, <laughs> I just pictured myself in a white Bronco." Running towards the Canadian border and breaking through and being like, I'm free. <laughs> um, other uh movies, Annie Hall, which I discussed the last uh episode with Brittany. Annie Hall is one of my favorite movies, and it's a rom com. I feel like you could redo Annie Hall with black people, and it would actually that I would love to see that movie redone with an all black cast. I don't know if I've seen any of. It was on, I think, Hulu. But yeah, that's that's like the quintessential like quirky rom com. It's with Woody Allen and Diane oh, Keaton. Oh yeah, I remember y'all talking about that. Um, and Diane Keaton is Bay in that movie because <laughs> her style is so fucking dope. So seventies, like. She's the one that started like the women wearing men's like blazers and stuff just men's out wear. and ties and no Coco Chanel started that. No, I'm saying like this is true. Okay, touche. <laughs> um, but she was one of the trendsetters in the '70s when it started reviving. Um, because apparently that's how Diane Keaton really dressed. And that's why Woody Allen was in love with her. Mm. So that movie is actually based on her. Because Annie is a form of Diane. But yeah. Um, Hmm. Okay. Another one of them is uh, The Wedding Singer. I do like her. The Wedding Singer is one of my favorite ones. The Wedding Singer. 
Drew Barrymore was so cute in that movie. Oh, I was going to say a Drew Barrymore movie. I like 51st Dates also. 51st Dates is pretty hilarious. Um, Never Been Kissed was also. Drew Barrymore had uh, had some she hits had in this rom-com. She had a lot of 90s hits. Um, Because Never Been Kissed was really good too. As cheesy as it was, I really liked that movie. My sister, being older, is what put me on all those rom-coms. Yeah. Like, 10 Things I Hate About You is also. Oh. I love that movie. Forgot about that. Because you have... uh, The Julia Stiles era. Julia Stiles had some hits out here, too. She did. She had some hitters. Um. And black people fell in love with Julia Stiles by uh, Saving the Last Dance. They did. It's like that's that's my then girl. They found out she had a little bit of a booty too. Right? Yeah. She, where is Julia? That's Stalin? all it takes. I heard that she has just like a regular job nowadays. Like that's dope. Working in an office or something. Like you just go and you're like, your cat from fucking uh, <laughs> <laughs> ten things I hate about you. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Like, could you imagine just being famous and having a regular job? Really couldn't. And you'd be like, you are not used to being in, in front of people anymore. And people are just like, you're famous. You literally have to know, though, going into a regular job as a former celebrity that, like, you can bend and break every rule possible because they're going to let you get away with it. Like, <laughs> they're going to hire you. Right. They're going <laughs> to hire you and they're going to let you get away with all this shit. Um, <laughs> What other... Uh, every what seems to be every white woman's favorite uh romantic comedy is a uh, pretty woman. Do we consider that a comedy? A romantic comedy, yeah. They is fall in love, and I guess it's a romantic comedy. I mean, in hindsight, it's some very dark shit, like when Jason Alexander tries to rape her. But for some reason, that was a thing in the nineties. Just having a, a regular, just attempted raping in a fucking yeah. movie. Like some dark ass shit, but yeah, I guess it's a romantic comedy. I never considered that a romantic comedy. I mean, it's like the stripper. I mean, the uh, hooker Cinderella story. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up and see what it's actually. How would it not? I mean, it's not a drama. It's definitely comedy in it, and it's romance in it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a romance comedy. Um, it's just weird to think of it that way, though, for me. You know what? Another weird one to think of as a romantic comedy: Groundhog Day. I barely remember Groundhog Day. What? I love that movie. That's one of my favorite movies ever because it's dark as fuck. <laughs> Groundhog Day. Bill Murray, where they keeps repeating, and he keeps having to do stuff over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I saw that. And another one that people don't—I mean, I guess it, Jerry Maguire is technically a romantic comedy. Jerry Maguire was a good—that's a classic. You complete me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was back when Renee Zellweger you had me was at hello, baby faced. She always had a weird look. She always had a baby face. She reminds me a lot of um, Ellen Pompeii. Yeah. But just much more baby faced. Mm-hmm. She has. She just has more of a round, like 
She is a fatter face, but she's not a fat woman. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, they kind of play on that on in Bridget Jones's Diary. Yeah. Which is another classic romantic comedy. True. Um, that was back when, um, what's his fucking name? Everybody was huge. Uh, or who was the dude that she was lusting after? <laughs> I can't remember. I haven't seen, now I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, everybody used to fucking think that he was so fine and I was always like mm. Colin Firth or Hugh Grant Hugh Grant he is a, he's been in every romantic comedy too that's when everybody was in love with his ass and I was like I mean that's some like he had been that dude though for a while because he also was with uh what's what's her oh fuck I forgot her name she's British she was in Austin Powers the first one oh is this her right here good, mm, no what's her name she's like gorgeous too I always forget what is her name that's just driving me crazy. Elizabeth Hurley? Yes. She is gorgeous to this day. Um, are the Austin Powers movies romantic comedies? <laughs> Elizabeth Hurley. You know who else I always used to think was just like a classically beautiful white woman who aged well is Raquel Welsh. Yes. She is fine. Yes. Like everything about her. What uh, the movie we were watching earlier, uh, the Black Godfather, which yeah. is we got you got to watch the whole thing. We'll talk about that next week. I definitely need to watch that. Um, they were talking about how Jim Brown was one of the first people to have an interracial love scene with Raquel Welch, mm. in like the seventies, and they showed the pictures of it. They said you just see Raquel Welch with her arms wrapped around this hairy chested black man. <laughs> Like, you know how bad people had them in there? Because she was that chick. Yo, yes. And she is still that chick. Gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Like, don't too many white women age like that. Look at her. Look at her. Yeah. Uh, what? My uh, my favorite old white woman who has aged wonderful is Christy Brinkley. Christy Brinkley is still, still your man. That is a fine white woman. Christy Brinkley is very gorgeous. And she's what, like 60 something? Yeah. Mm. Act right, skid act right. <laughs> <laughs> J Lo is one of those people. She's almost 50. Yeah. Uh, here's something I wanted to ask you about Is Jennifer Aniston overrated? I think so. I've always thought so. She's just kind of basic white girl. Like she's de like everybody went through that girl next door phase, and yeah. 
that was that was around the time that you know like Britney Spears, Jessica Simpson, Jessica Alba, like they all just had that look, that soft but just like really pretty look. But it's also not too pretty that no one else can relate to them. Approachable, <laughs> right? Now, uh, in her defense, all of those women were basing their look on her. Yes, but. But that's also because of her role on Friends as Rachel. Right. Like, that everybody wanted to be the, Rachel. That the haircut. style, the haircut, the color, her I tried makeup. To get, I tried to get in Friends. I can't get into it. I can't either. It's like, it's a blandness there. It's <laughs> just something's missing. It's a layer that's missing. But You know, it's always been the theory that Friends is based on living color. Yeah. I mean, not living color, living single. I can see, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's going to have to be an unpopular opinion for us, but I never thought that Jennifer Anderson was just like fine, fine, the way people acted like she was. So thank you guys for tuning in today to Suburban Pod. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Curvy Brown Girl. And you can find me at a kid named Juice. Some of our music today was provided by our good friend Corey Battle. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJC Battle. New episodes available every Thursday.